The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's working in the U.S., been working in the U.S. Uh, Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is recreation therapy and family caregivers. Now, what hosting Family Caregivers Unite has taught me is that family caregivers are so often dealing with family members' health conditions for which there is no cure, for which medical treatment is necessary, but which is not sufficient to enable the family member to have the best quality of life that's possible for him or her, or to enable, for that matter, the family caregiver to have the best quality of life that's possible for him or her. So the idea for people, for family caregivers, for so many of them, the idea of recreation, let's put it this way, is but a distant memory. So that raises the question, which we're going to discuss, is, which is, what is recreational therapy and what can it do for family members and family caregivers? And to answer this and other related questions, my guest today is Amy McFarlane. Now, Amy, um, it works, as she'll tell you, in her own business. um, And this, her own business comes from her taking on what she calls the dedication and commitment to creating recreational respite as she recognized the need in the community for supportive and inclusive environments for people with cognitive impairments, physical challenges, and developmental diversities. Her passion in the field of healthcare is united with a hands-on educated and expert background in personal support work, healthcare and business development, therapeutic recreation, health sciences, and gerontology. So, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, it's over to you, and my first question is, tell us a bit more about your career and a bit more about how you became interested in recreation therapy. 
Sure. So I recognize my true passion and gift for working with people and their families who are affected by disease, impairments, and various challenges. And at the time, I decided that in order to obtain real-life experience of bedside manner with these particular individuals, I went back to school to become a personal support worker from, uh, at the time, a very popular IT uh, career. And I wanted to help define the healthcare profession that would be the best fit for me. And it was in this role that I started to work with those in neurological rehabilitation, various dementias, and palliative care. And I started to identify all the key players in their care in a hospital setting. And what most intrigued me was the successful engagement of the recreation therapist, the ability to create inclusive and fail-proof environments for the patients and their families, no matter what their challenges were. And they had this ability to lift the spirits of all and, most importantly, nurture the patient's remaining abilities and strengths, leisure interests and needs. And it was their role that had me pursue my studies in health sciences, gerontology, and then in recreation. Very good. Now, what about your own experience, your own experience with family caregiving, your own family's experience, and how your work with and how you work with and how you work with family caregivers um, for the persons for whom you provide recreation therapy and how, how that sort of influenced your thinking. Sure. So one of the things that was clearly identified early on in my career and in my own experience was a lack of advocacy for family members who were caregiving and going through this very emotional journey. By this, I mean someone who could actually stand up and ask the right questions at the right time as opposed to finding out the hard way in a reactive and often crisis situation. You know, the question of what next and who do I turn to and what support do I need in place? And this often led to the limited information on services and supports that families could access, either those that were funded or privately paid for, uh, such as a program like ours. Having said this, my passion was really about collaborating solutions and approaches in my experience as a caregiver with agencies um, where I would actually say to them, you know, uh, my loved one is accessing personal support care or companionship service. There's got to be something else that they can utilize while they're developing this relationship. Um, and so one of the things that we strive to do is design a recreation program and teach that care provider how to implement it, offering a variety of new tools and skills for continued relationship building and successful care approaches. So in a way, you're creating them also to be their own advocates. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what that raises now is the question, what is recreation therapy? (laughs) And this question comes up a lot. Recreation therapy, or therapeutic recreation, uh, as it's often called, enables any individual to achieve quality of life, optimal health through meaningful experiences in recreation and leisure. So what it provides is support, guidance, and advocacy for any individual with physical, mental, social, behavioral, or emotional limitations. Recreation programs are individually designed based on the remaining strengths, their interests, their needs and abilities of that individual. And the skill in recreation therapy is really the ability to engage through sometimes challenging times, whether they be transitioned into programs that are a good fit uh, or to help integrate an individual to ensure that inclusion is created for these individuals. Now, to what extent does it involve Does recreation therapy involve the people who are undergoing the therapy 
interacting with each other, uh, and not only the educators and health professionals and other people who are involved in it. That is, the, the one-to-one interactions or the one-to-several interactions among people who are receiving recreation therapy. What about those? Well, it really just it creates an environment for them to be, uh, again, successful in their communications with either each other, with uh, their loved ones, with their healthcare professionals, because often we're dealing with individuals who can't verbally communicate like you or I what's bothering us or what challenges us or what we want addressed. So recreation therapy really is that stepping stone or uh, to bridge the gap between, you know, isolation and engagement. Right. Give me an, a practical example. To say somebody with this drift that's going down, down that sad path of Alzheimer's disease, um, what kind of recreation therapy might they be undergoing? Well, it's interesting, and it always it rises the question constantly with family members. You know, what can you do for my loved one? And the answer is always simply put: I don't know your loved one yet, so we can't identify. Because the thing with recreational therapy is really that it's individualized, and that is every person is individualized, and that is the approach of recreation therapy as opposed to most medical models where, you know, it's very black and white. We take these medications to help with this. We do this therapy to help with our arm. We do this to to fix something or to rehab something. But recreation is really about engagement and individualizing that person to give them back their sense of role and worth. So there's really no definitive answer to that. It really depends on, on the person that we're working with. Right. Yeah. When you're working with someone, are you working with them one-on-one, that is you and the person, or are you working on them uh, working with them one to a small group, or is it some mixture of that kind of thing? Well, recreation th- therapy exists in a multitude of, of um, uh, environments. Sometimes it's, it's based in a group setting. Sometimes it's based on one-on-one. Recreational respite really strives to provide one-on-one, but certainly with sometimes the assistance and help to integrate that individual into a group setting that might be beneficial for that particular person. For example, someone who's become very isolated who could benefit from taking part in a day program, but you know, naturally we couldn't take that person and just take them to the day program. We'd have to help transition them and help discover what their interests may be in taking part in that day program. So it really can be offered in a variety of settings. Right. Now, I'm going to be asking you after the break to give us examples of the health conditions where you recommend um, recreation therapy. But this is, I'm going to ask you a straight question about loneliness because that's often a product of the health conditions, but I don't think we should call it a health condition as such, or maybe you do. So to what extent does recreation therapy address loneliness as a a challenge for people who are aging or for people who are at a distance from their families? That's, it's a great question because often families will say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with my mom. She doesn't have Alzheimer's. She doesn't suffer from a chronic disease or illness. She's just lonely. And what we often find with these lonely individuals is because of 
their lack of engagement, their lack of, of role, their lack of, of feelings of worth in their own community. And that's what recreation therapy is about, is identifying what is it that this member of society can continue to contribute? What is it that we can do to help alleviate the loneliness um, and isolation uh, and help reintegrate them or integrate them into a community program or get them back involved in a, in a program that already exists that they never would self-initiate. How can we help do that for them? So that's a very interesting concept of getting the situation developed in which the individual is feeling that they're making a contribu- contribution, and if I can put it this way, and not just being contributed to. That's important, is it, that sense of making a contribution by the individual? Absolutely. And if we put ourselves in that exact same situation, we often find fulfillment with accomplishment. And when that individual isn't able to accomplish something, um, that's what usually leads to the isolation in the first place. That's very important, isn't it? And that's the kind of thing that we're going to be returning to to talk about later on. And all I would say to you is that I've heard this a lot on this program, of that sense of people wanting to do something um, that does give them that sense of achievement, that sense of I'm, I'm worth something, what I do um, is helpful to other people and not just me. And I think that also turns around in another interesting way in that family caregivers, so often having traveled this road, want to turn around and lend a helping hand to people who are just starting out on that road. So what you've been saying, I think, resonates very strongly indeed with the kind of things that we've been hearing. Mm-hmm. Now, the time, it is the time coming up for the break, so we're going to take it now. Um, we have to pay the rent, and so I'm going to say, uh, let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Amy McFarlane. You're listening to... Uh, Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you a leader who needs to become better and more consistent? Are you someone who's trying to be a leader but can't seem to get to that level despite seemingly doing everything right? Tune in to Leadership Every Day with your host, Marguerite Calloway. Marguerite and her guests will spotlight proven leadership traits, capabilities, and experiences designed to help you become a leader or a better leader. Listen for Leadership Every Day, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 1600 hours in South Africa on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email 
to Doc G at MyMonaMe.com. That's Doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Amy McFarlane. Our topic is recreation therapy and family caregivers. So let, let's talk about the challenges that recreation therapy helps with. And so, Amy, my first question for you is, what types of special needs or health conditions are the ones that you recommend recreation therapy for, and why do you recommend it? Okay. So recreation therapy has many benefits to any individual who's experienced any form of isolation because of their challenges, whether it be memory impairment, acquired brain uh, injury, neuromuscular disorders such as Parkinson's or MS, muscular dystrophy, developmental disabilities, or just simply lack of engagement or stimulation. And its role is to skillfully identify how to draw from that individual's remaining strengths, all the while maximizing their abilities, interests, and needs. Uh, and levels of engagement. So it's with great pride when we can take an individual and create a successful engagement and interaction when communication is challenged by something like Alzheimer's disease or mobility is challenged through chronic pain. Um, The ability is really to design that fail-proof environment to allow that individual to thrive, and that's why recreation therapy is effective. Now, we talked about special special needs. I, I want just to say more about the challenges that these special needs create for the individuals with them and how recreation therapy actually helps meet those challenges. Amy? So the challenges are many because each person is so unique and, and thus needs to be treated as such with very different approaches. So what works well for one individual doesn't necessarily work well for another. And often what we find what these, the, the biggest challenges is communication. It's probably one of the biggest challenges families have with their loved one and the inability to see past the disease in order for effective communication and overall stimulation, engagement, and all of that good stuff. Recreation therapy really addresses this by creating the opportunity to be successful in the decisions that they're still able to make or activities that they're still able to take part in, not the decisions that they're no longer able to make. And family members are challenged with this because when we're family, we're emotionally connected to the old way of our loved one, for example, someone with Alzheimer's disease, Um, or if we've got a child with developmental disability, as they age, their needs change. And so, you know, we're no longer able to make a connection with our child the way that we were able to before. Right. I'm going to ask you about depression. And the reason I'm going to ask you that question is that it seems so often that in many of these health conditions you're talking about, and in the face of many of these challenges, people become depressed. Um, and the depression obvious, obviously is an unpleasant thing to go through, but it also seems to have a further negative effect on the individual and perhaps the people around the individual. First of all, do you agree with that assessment? And if you do, um, please say how recreation therapy speaks to, so to speak, Um, the depression aspect of these challenges. 
It certainly is a very big challenge, and what's probably the biggest challenge is defining the difference between the disease and the depression. And what I mean by that is often family members will just chalk up to, you know, mum's reclusiveness to the fact that she has Alzheimer's disease, not recognizing that she quite possibly is depressed from the lack of engagement, stimulation, and involvement in things that she was able to take part in before. So this is very real, and we see this a lot. Um, and, and clearly, you know, sometimes, actually more often than not, it's very misdiagnosed because we often look at the Alzheimer's disease and think, well, it's just the disease. We don't actually identify that there's some depression as well as the disease. And recreation therapy helps to not only address that but identify that and with that positively try to assist um, in, in finding out the root of the depression. And, and uh, there's different ways that we've been able to do that. Right, still with the depression. That's us, you can say almost, is a reaction to your feeling not very, well, not, not, not very successful in what you do, mm-hmm. feeling that you're not able to do things maybe that you can remember doing before, uh, and maybe feeling that people don't value what you do and say. Now, if I'm right about that theory, is it also right to say that recreation therapy addresses that sort of what I'll call feeling of self-worth, that if if it's not supported, might encourage the sense of depression? Am I right about that? Yes, absolutely. And often we will see those that are in their early stages of Alzheimer's disease who very much are, have been able to identify that something is different about themselves and um, will start to withdraw themselves if it's not addressed. And this happens frequently because family members sometimes don't understand when it starts to happen until there's an actual diagnosis. And at that point, sometimes that individual has then gone on to a middle or a later stage of the disease and really not uh, have lost the ability to verbalize some of their own concerns. And that can be very frustrating. I mean, I often say to families, can you imagine knowing that you're becoming more and more forgetful every day, but nobody else is helping you to identify that and what to do to fix it? That would be very frustrating, therefore increasing the depression and or isolation. Right. Please give us some real examples, real-life examples of the ways in which recreation therapy has helped meet some of these challenges you've been talking about. Now, I'm obviously not asking you to mention the names of individuals or anything like that, but real-life stories often convey the real success behind the kind of things you're doing. Yeah, actually, one of our clients had actually been affected by a stroke, which left her with left side paralysis, which included the use of her left arm. This particular individual's role in her home and sense of worth was cooking very big meals that brought her family together as part of her culture as well. And because of her stroke, this disabled her ability to continue to provide this for her family. And she had become very isolated and depressed. Um, and family was very concerned with, you know, what next? What do we do to help with this? 
So we were then able to identify from these challenges that if we could find a way to give back this role, we would not only create successful involvement, but we could hopefully decrease um, further depression from onsetting. So our program was designed to factor in her abilities and interests, so to still remain cooking, her needs to increase her independence and use her affected side, I'll bet modified, and support her psychosocial needs, the emotional side, the, the depression and lack of sense of role through our program design. And what that looked like was a design, an exercise program that had incorporated the use of her left hand while cooking meals for her family on a regular basis. So not only did this address her sense of worth and role, but also her overall emotional well-being. And that is recreation therapy. And what was the family's reaction? The family was incredibly grateful because not only did they realize that, you know, no longer did they have to exclude mum from the task of cooking for the family, but they knew how to simplify it and to, to modify it and still engage her in the act of cooking. So it allowed them to take part in mum's journey positively and successfully. And this, for them, was the greatest thing because it wasn't a medical approach at all. It was more just a matter in, in, in coping, coping with the loss of and, and working with it to make it a positive one. Yeah. Any more examples, real-life stories like that? We had a lady who had been completely isolated in her home. Um, the family had called very much in crisis. The uh, husband was her primary caregiver, both of them in their late 80s. And this was very challenging for the husband as well. Um, the woman had later stages of Alzheimer's disease and had developed some aggressive and agitation um, behaviors, which, you know, increased the challenges of her husband, who was trying to caregive her for her. And he needed to find respite. He needed her to take part in the day program so he could get the respite he needed for his own health concerns at this point. And they just weren't having any luck in getting anyone into the home. So our approach was to identify what this particular woman loved to do. And we had found out that she loved to bake. And she was also a volunteer at one of the local hospitals for 25 years. So in her love of baking and being a part of the community, we then had her bake uh, her favorite recipes, and we would take her to donate that to a local day program, which we knew that she would be a good fit for long term. And our hopeful uh, goal with that was not only to get her involved in giving to the community as she had always done, but possibly open up the opportunity for her to take part as a participant long term. This wasn't going to happen overnight, but certainly with time, persistence, and patience, and, and a lot of rec therapy, we were able to get her into the day program twice a week without us going with her. And this was of great respite to her husband and of great um, uh, engagement for her, ultimately, long term. That really illustrates that principle that you were talking about of people feeling that they're giving something. That is to say... Here was this lady, uh, I'm seeing her in my mind as carrying a meal or carrying food to a place that then says, come and join us. That's a very nice form of introduction, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And it's successful and it's fail-proof and there's nothing that can possibly go wrong with that except that maybe her not wanting to stay the first few times on her own. But certainly long-term, with the development of our relationship with her and the right skillful approach, this was something that 
you know, seemed to diminish over time as she realized that this wasn't, this was going to be successful for her and fun at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, it is time for the break, so let's take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Amy McFarlane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Amy McFarlane. Our topic is recreation therapy and family caregivers. So let's now talk about recreation therapy and living arrangements, and things like aging at home, you know, that's a policy, and the way in which all of this fits together in the form of help for family caregivers. So, Amy, generally, where do the persons who receive recreation therapy live? Is, is it at home alone with their families or in a care facility of some kind? And then how do you organize recreation therapy for the various types of living arrangements? So it's really all of the above. Uh, recreation therapy exists in um, predominantly in a variety of settings, medical model settings such as long-term care, uh, retirement or assisted living environments, day programs, uh, hospice and rehabilitative programs. In the home, um, 
not so much in terms of direct recreation therapy, but certainly those living in their homes can take part in things like day programs that are provided in the community setting. So it does exist um, in a variety of, of settings, and most of the time it's already organized for the individual who are living in those types of, of environments, but where mostly our services provided is in the home in a one-to-one where there isn't other services in place, um, perhaps to bridge the gap of service or need for an individual, um, and often in a one-to-one setting. You mentioned the hospice, and that's um, not something that I think people like me would immediately think of as a place in which recreation therapy um, would be necessarily appropriate. Let me be a bit straightforward about that. Um, please say more about what you do in the hospice environment. Actually, recreational respite takes uh, great pride, and, and this probably stems from a personal passion of mine with those that are in palliative care, believing that an optimal quality of life is necessary for all, and especially to those that are in end-of-life um, stages when there's a lot of denial and anger sometimes um, for those that are in hospice. But we actually have taken it one step further and offered our therapeutic programs to their in-home volunteer visiting programs so that we're providing them with additional tools and resources when they're working with their clients uh, in the community um, and they just sort of are at a loss for what else to do for them. And recreation therapy and the palliative client is really important because at that point, you know, there's some loose ends to be tied up and there's some goals possibly to be uh, established and achieved and there's a great sense of accomplishment for those that are palliative um, and or living in hospice uh, and recreation therapy, that connection. And I presume that this applies also to people who've chosen to pass the end of their lives at home. Yes. Yes, very much so. Okay. Now, I'm going to switch to the politicians and the healthcare planners because from them, everywhere in North America, we hear more and more about aging at home. Um, I think from the politicians and healthcare planners' point of view, they like the sound of it because it perhaps costs less, less money. Hmm. Uh, what I want to know, <laughs> Amy, from you, is how does recreation therapy specifically support this policy of aging at home? I believe that, that it allows for individuals to take part actively and with inclusion in their communities and remaining active in their roles in society, no matter what their health care challenges might be. So it allows for a choice for families to make or the individuals themselves to take part in their own communities, their home-bred communities and the environments that they've possibly lived in for decades. Um, but it also allows them the choices, uh, the choices to remain engaged, the choices to take a break and take it easy in their retirement years. It, it allows them to have that choice at home and choose the right care path for themselves. So in other words, um, it's supporting the individual in their own decision-making about their, the last phase of their own life. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm going to ask you how recreation therapy helps family caregivers 
you've mentioned this several times, but I'd like you just to address that um, particularly because, as you very well know, family caregivers bear an enormous burden. And you've already mentioned the situation where um, a family caregiver needed respite for the person he was caring for in, in order to get, keep his strength up for his family caregiving duties. So let's talk some detail about how recreation therapy helps family caregivers. Yeah, so certainly it offers, recreation therapy in, in, in general offers a very person-centered approach for the overall well-being of that individual affected, but it also educates um, them and most of the time their family caregivers and empowers them with various approaches and techniques to help cope with the sometimes everyday challenges of the caregiving itself. So sometimes this includes the simple concern of their loved one's lack of interest and overall stimulation and how to address that. Sometimes it's a matter of uh, teaching the family caregivers to um, uh, continue freedom of choice, but knowing when to limit the choice so that it doesn't become too overwhelming. For example, for someone with Alzheimer's disease, um, you know, that's really where it helps those family caregivers give them other tools to use and benefit from with their loved one and make it as positive as an experience as possible because caregiving can be very emotional. It can be very exhausting um, physically uh, as well. And, and certainly there are many who are caregiving that are in their own um, elderly age and they're caring for younger individuals. So it just allows them to try to make it a positive experience and journey for themselves as well, and they can get back to being the family member as opposed to the nurse and the caregiver and the meal preparer and the house cleaner, etc. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, a very interesting point you made, that, and I'm relating it back to you in my words, not yours, but it is that sense that the family caregiver continues the methods, the techniques, the procedures of recreation therapy so to speak, when the recreational therapist has gone home. So in other words, it seems to me that there's an element of training family caregivers in recreation therapy specifically for the personal persons they're looking after. Am I right about that? And yes. Kind of how do you do it? Yes, very much so. And that's really the role that we take on is being able to then say, when we leave today, if, if you're still having these challenging behaviors, here's some techniques and approaches that you can try. Yeah. And what sort of, I mean, do you offer any kind of um, backup service like documentation to read, um, like, for example, a website to go to to find out something more about the particular condition or the particular situation or the particular uh, behavioral patterns that you're experiencing? Can you go that far? Yes, we do, actually. We work very closely with a variety of servicing chapters, such as the MS Society, the Alzheimer's Society, um, community living. Uh, depending on what our clients are facing, we offer an awareness blog that certainly helps them navigate through different alternatives, different services, different supports. Um, often we talk about funding opportunities where they can access tax credits or how our services may be paid for because everybody's concerned about finances these days. 
Um, but we also do a large portion of public speaking in the community, again, to continue to advocate for them and, and give them some direction as opposed to telling them what's going to happen next. We tell them, this is what you're going to do the ne- when the next step happens, um, to proactively look at their situations so that they're prepared, they're better prepared. That resonates, again, with things that I've heard so often um, on this show, which is the search that many family caregivers had to undertake to find the information they needed to do the things they wanted to do, needed to do, and were right to do for their family members. And so in that interaction you're having with the family caregivers as well as the family member, you're helping helping address that need, aren't you? That mm-hmm. need for information. Yes, definitely, definitely. And then what to do with that information? You know, where do we go from here? How do we put the wheels in motion to make it happen and, and why? Why are we doing this and how is it going to help me? Yeah. Do you get any feedback afterwards? That is, and when I say afterwards, I mean when somebody's been through, an individual has been through a program of recreation therapy, um, do the family caregivers come back to you with suggestions? And, uh, I won't say criticisms, but comments, you know, the feedback that we all need in our work. Is that the kind of thing you, you get? Is it the kind of thing you encourage? Yeah, I mean, certainly what happens in recreation therapy is, you know, it doesn't always work the same all the time because what it is is it's so individualized. So one week our approach may be one way and the next week it's completely different because that particular individual that day is having a bad day or a really great day. Um, And back to your report on whether or not we sort of document what takes place on our visits, we do offer progress notes after each visit because we feel it's very important for the families to understand that every day is different and here's how we approach today so that they understand that when they perhaps come up against the same challenge, maybe this is something we can try to do as well. So in other words, you're building the knowledge of the family and the family caregiver Mm -hmm. in relation to the particular situation that they're involved in so that if things repeat themselves, if challenges repeat themselves, as they often do, then, so to speak, they've been there, done that, and know what to do next. Is that's that right. right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's all about empowering them to, to go to that next level and to know how to, to deal with it so that it's not so emotional and it's not so challenging um, and that it is successful. And I suppose that just to lead you a bit further down that road, it also perhaps helps them all to organize their lives so that the quality of life is best for them all because things are working as well as they possibly can and the family members know that things are working as well as they possibly can under the particular circumstances. Is that right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I want to, we're going to go off into the break any moment. So I just want to give you a little bit of advance notice of what's coming up in the fourth and final segment. And that is, um, I'm wanting you to talk about what you would like to see done to extend and expand recreation therapy based on all the things you've been talking about, all the experiences, all the success, all the struggles, um, all the ways that you interact. Because I think this question now in healthcare is profoundly important, which is, what are we going to do next, given 
that money is always tight. I don't care where you are. The population is aging. The challenges are growing. So something successful, such as the program you're operating, then there is the question how, which I'm going to ask you, which is how you would like to see things done to extend it, provide it to more people. So that's after the break, which we're going to take now. Um, so I'm going to uh, say once more, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Amy McFarlane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Bullies enrage us. In tough economic times, we are motivated by fear, and this causes people to mistreat others. It doesn't just happen to school kids. You'll find it in the workplace, school, and over the Internet. Oftentimes, people feel that they have nobody to turn to or no legal recourse. Don't be enraged. Engage. Tune in to Bullies on Blast with your host, Aunt Delta Dawn. We'll expose bullies and strive to save the lives of those who are being bullied. Listen Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Amy McFarlane. Our topic is recreation therapy and family caregivers. Now, I'm going to now ask, Amy, to tell us what she would like to see done to extend and expand recreation therapy. And in a way, um, you know, there are lots, there's a lot of talk about elections, um, uh, lots of talk about politicians. So I'm going to say to Amy, Look, you're a politician. You're standing now for election. I want to, I'm a voter. I want to hear about your political platform uh, to promote recreation therapy. So my first question to you is, how is recreation therapy funded, and then what, and what are the arguments for increasing its funding? Okay, so this is a big question. So currently how recreation therapy is funded is, is uh, only 
only in a medical model, which means that it's funded through ways, through the hospital, through the day programs, wherever government has allocated monies to run community-based services. Um, the arguments for increasing its funding, though, you know, it's currently not funded as a registered profession and thus makes it a challenge to offer in a very typically medical model approach to care, which is very much the majority of, of care that we receive here in, in Canada. Um, there's a definite lack of recognition for the benefits of emotional well-being and um, in the community setting, it's even more challenging because families are left to their own devices to make these decisions. Um, and clearly, when we're caregivers, we don't necessarily see the big picture. Um, so this is a challenge in its own to fight to have it funded. Um, the funding exists right now for very black and white solutions. There's nursing support and there's uh, nursing care funded um, services and and options out there, but nobody ever wants to look sort of at the recreation piece, and they say, well, that's sort of secondary to the medical uh, model and medical approach to these individuals. Um, so that's one thing I think that needs to be readdressed because. We can all take many examples of a time that we were very disengaged and possibly isolated and lonely, and when we had the ability to get involved in something, what that did for us and what that did for our roles, overall roles in society, and even more so for those that are vulnerable, such as people that are affected by disease or challenge, um, it's even more important for them and to have people advocate for them. Right. So that's my beef on that. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Now, is it then right, Amy, to say that Mostly, it's the families themselves who are funding recreation therapy as things currently stand. Is that right? In a one-to-one -one setting currently, yes. But if their loved one is taking part in, say, a day program, here's the issues with that. They're getting day programs. They're getting... Um, they're getting recreation, but it's in a group setting, and not everybody is a good fit for a group setting for engagement. You know, you'll often go into a day program and you'll see 15 uh, participants, and perhaps three or five of them aren't participating in the same thing as everybody else. And that small percentage of people is just enough to identify the need for individualized recreation, such as what we provide. Right. Because, again, you can't take a group of people and throw them all into one environment and hope that they'll be successful. And what I find most of the time is families find it more of respite for themselves. It's not so much what's good for mom or dad or my, my family, but it's what I need as a, as a caregiver for respite. Right. Now, that leads me to my next question to you um, to help me decide whether I'm going to vote for you or not. <laughs> what more? would you want to see done to make more recreation therapy available to persons specifically now with memory impairments, physical challenges, and developmental diversities? Uh, in other words, how do we approach the specific condition, not to medicalize them, but to recognize that the needs and challenges differ somewhat, or perhaps a lot, between those conditions? So what more needs to be done to be a bit more specific about the conditions, Amy? 
Well, I'll be very, very uh, forward with this. I think the skill needs to be identified as being very different than other professions that are currently operating recreation programs but aren't um, in recreation specifically. So the ability to identify the skill in recreation therapy as being different than a nursing model of care, that first of all needs to be clearly identified and then you know, that needs to be passed on to caregivers to let them know that there's a difference and that they have a choice to choose a difference. Um, that's probably the first thing I would say would be most important to recognize is the skill itself in recreation therapy. Right. I'm going to ask you a question about that. As everybody knows, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm retired from medicine, but I have to go and get myself uh, licensed to practice medicine and that kind of thing. Um, and what this comes to is that, that what are often called the caring professions are self-regulated professions uh, who license themselves, and the licensing is done in the public interest. Is that the pathway that you think is needed to have recreation therapy recognized as a service, so to speak, in its own right? I do. I think that there needs to be um, a solidified recognition of the profession, and if it means by being regulated or certified or licensed, then that is certainly um, the approach that's needed to be taken. I, I do agree with that. Okay. I do. Yeah, I mean, I think the environment that we're in now in terms of the healthcare environment that Canada provides is very much a medical approach and thus has medical professions, therefore are licensed to practice forms of medical um, care. And so certainly if it means that that's what will recognize us as being uh, a part of that multidisciplinary team, then, then so be it. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the last sort of major question, or the last question really is, what more can family caregivers themselves do to promote recreation therapy? <laughs> um, I would just say to further support and educate families uh, to know that there are other options out there um, and not just to sort of settle for the black and white response of, of um, those that they come and, you know, in, interact with um, when it comes to their loved one's care approaches because there is an emotional uh, piece that often gets in the way of being educated as to other uh, concepts and other approaches. And I think that if you're able to just support um, the freedom of choice, the freedom to choose which support you want in place for your loved one, I think that would be wonderful. See, why I'm asking you is that governments in North America, uh, President Obama has given support for the broad field of family caregiving. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it in Canada, too. Uh, and there are strong voices for family caregivers and family caregiving. But I still think that there's more that family caregivers should be doing to promote what they do, because after all, they subsidize the healthcare system with all their work, uh, with all their time, with all their efforts, and sometimes too often with all their health as well. And therefore, getting family caregivers' voice heard, which is one of the aims of this program, this show, uh, becomes more important. And I think, and here I'm <laughs> uh, preaching to you, Madam Politician, but 
I think that the more liaison, the more discussion there can be between professionals such as you and recreational therapy as a discipline and family caregivers, the more likely we are, you are, to be able to get across to the politicians uh, that this program of recreational therapy is one of the right things and one of the appropriate things or one of the very good things that needs to be done in healthcare or maybe beyond healthcare, family care. First of all, do you agree? Is there anything that I've just said that you don't agree with? No, I absolutely do agree. And in many cases and instances, we will often consult with other family, um, other caregivers that are involved in our family's care and say, you know, what can we do to help you in your time with your loved one? And vice versa. You know, we'll have the medical profession say, we can't be here five days a week, but this is what we need this individual to work on, whether it be physical or whether it be, um, you know, another approach in their care. So that collaboration is so important, certainly. Right. Yes. Unfortunately, on that point, Madam Politician, I'm going to have to close this, but I would vote for you, Amy, if you were standing on that platform. Fantastic. (laughs) Now, in closing, I want to say thank you to our listeners. Please email us with your comments and questions. Thank you to Amy McFarlane, not just for sharing with us your experience, your insights, and your advice, but also that sense of here's a new direction, here's something that really is helpful to family caregivers and the people they're caring for, and, if I may say so, to the healthcare system as a whole. So for all those reasons and many more, I say thank you, and I wish you every success in the work you're doing and in the work that all recreational therapists are actually doing uh, along the same lines that you are. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You're very welcome. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be sharing a story about helping with life with cerebral palsy and help for family caregiving uh, in relation to that condition. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet, and we look forward to talking with you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being with me.